0: You shouldn't have, have did school. But welcome to Elevate. I just want to let you guys know we are on Instagram right now. So we on Instagram. Peep us on Instagram. We are Elevating Instagram. Like that? Like that? That's a hashtag. That's a hashtag. So, right, guys? Uh, and then we're also live. So if you got any friends that can't come to Elevate, let them know. We live. We live. We live. So... What have we been learning about this month? If you can put the sermon slide on. Go ahead, man. Just shout it out. Shout out. Be wild. Be wild. Fearless, right? Fearless. So what we've learned recently has been fear God and nothing else, right? Can it? Does anybody know it week by week? Fear God, nothing else. What did we learn not to fear the second time? Fear. Don't fear man. And then the third time, which was last week, it was fear not Failure. Thank you, Lawrence. That's love right there. That's love. Today, we're going to be talking about how to fear not fear. danger, right? I mean, we've all kind of experienced what danger is. I mean, for the minute you're young, you understand that stranger danger, right? So the minute you see some guy who's trying to give you some type of candy, you're like, Nah, I'm going to kick you where the sun don't shine. Leave me alone, right? And you run away. You go to your parents. So you realize from a young age, there is such thing as danger, then, right, when you get a little bit older, right, when you're, you learn now to cross the street, your mother's like, you better look both ways before you cross the street because the street is dangerous. Then when you get hit, yeah, then you get hit by a car if you don't look both ways. Some of us have been hit by cars. I don't know if you have. But you learned your lesson after that. So. Then, when we got even older, when my mama was like, listen, you old enough to go do groceries. Get out there and go go do groceries. But she told you, make sure you don't cross, you don't go into this neighborhood, because we realized it's dangerous, right? So we understand what danger is. Well, the Bible encourages us not to fear danger, okay? If we can uh, turn to Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, verses 1 through 3, please. So it says right here, therefore... Everybody say, therefore, right? So therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy, everybody say, joy. Set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, I said a lot to say this, okay? We do not have to be afraid of danger. But why do we not have to have the fear of danger? What do we do when we are faced with the fear of danger? Well, according to the verse, we consider him who endured. Such opposition from sinners. If you guys can bow your heads in prayer, Lord God, I thank you, Jesus, for this word. God, I thank you for just everything you've done for us this week, Lord. I feel like at times, God, we forget to be thankful and we uh, we begin to worry and we begin to be we begin to be fearful. Lord, I pray that we would instead trust in you, Jesus. We are thankful that you hold the whole world together, God. That you, Lord, you give us life. You breathe into us joy and peace, and we can trust in you. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow. I pray, God, that your spirit would begin to impact everyone in this room, Lord, that you would begin to encourage people, God, that have been discouraged, and you would begin to convict those who are in sin, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that we would learn to consider you, God, to endure danger, Lord, and to not grow weary or lose heart, God. I thank you, Jesus, for this word. Have your way, Lord. Let it be all of you, God, and none of me, and I pray that you would continue to move in them even after the night, and they would not leave this room the same. In Jesus' name. Name. Amen. Amen. So, guys, what this verse is, I know it might seem like a bunch of mumbo jumbo to you. You're like, that's a lot of words that I don't really pay attention to, like faith. No, I'm joking. You better pay attention to faith. But, right, like pioneer, you're probably thinking of like uh, maybe a sailor, sailor man. What's that dude, Popeyes? But he's the sailor man. He's not a pioneer. But whatever, if you could go back, if you can go to verse uh, three, we're going to focus on verse three today. Now one thing I want you guys to understand about Hebrews, I think I told you guys before, what are the Hebrews, Victor? What are the Hebrews? Okay. Wrong person to call on. You'll learn. Wait, well, you said it, bro. What did you say? Jesus, Okay, he was a Hebrew in a sense. Can I have a tool wonder? What are the Hebrews? The Jewish people, right? Okay, so this letter is written to the Jewish people. Most specifically, it's written to the people who are Jewish who became Christian, right? So does anybody know about the Jewish religion? Does anyone think they're the same as the Christian religion? Does everyone think the Christian religion and the Jewish religion is the same? No, right? They're different. Okay, the Jewish people do not believe in Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior. Everybody understands that Jesus came to save us, right? Right? The Jewish people don't believe that. They believe at most that he was another phony Messiah. So they don't believe that he was the Savior. But the Christians that were Jewish, what they ended up believing was that he was the Savior that they knew they were waiting for. And now with Jesus, right, following Jesus, they are facing not only persecution from the government, everybody say, the law on their tail. Now, that sounds kind of phony. I'll think of something better. But, right, the law was on their tail. The government was against the Jewish people. But now, right, the Christian Jewish people are facing persecution, right, or they're facing danger. Everybody say danger. danger. Danger from their own people, right? That's like this. That's like Brandon, right? What are you, Brandon? You are. You uh, are. You, uh, what are you? you? You, huh? You're Latino, Victor. What are you? You're a lot of things. You're a lot of things. But who's another? Who's another? What are you? You're uh. specifically, you're. Huh? Guatemalan, right? Who else is Guatemalan here? And Mexican. All right, you're Guatemalan. Right? That's like that's like. Imagine you. You're like, man, dude. Guatemalans aren't the best anymore. Everybody's equal. That's like Brandon said that. Then all of a sudden, Julian's like, listen, bro, that's not true. And you start. He starts to hate on you. He starts to say you're not a real Guatemalan. You know, you don't like our food like you used to. You don't rock with our music like you used to. You ain't you ain't about us. So. The Jewish Christians were facing that type of persecution. Literally, they'd probably lose out on their businesses, right? They'd probably get messed up at school when they go to the synagogues or whatever, which was their schools. And listen, what Hebrews is meant to do, right, Sean, right, Victor? What it's meant to do is they're meant to encourage those who are, being, who are in danger. It's meant to encourage them so they don't give up. How many of you have felt like giving up before? So none of you guys have felt like giving up before. I want to see everybody's hands up. That's why. How many of y'all felt like giving up before? It should be everybody. Everybody's felt like giving up before. Now, you haven't. I respect that, bro. I respect that. But, right, when you do feel like giving up, here's the the issue. Here's the issue. It only really happens when it gets hard. You only feel like giving up when it gets hard. So when you begin to feel like, man, I'm going to fail, you want to give up. I know people that have dropped out senior year. Like, you made it all those years, you're going to drop out the last year just because it got a little hard. You begin to give up at any point. And this is what the Jewish people were going through that became Christians. They wanted to give up. So, like I said earlier, what do we do when faced with the fear of danger? We consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. But then the question is, who is him? Everybody shout it out on three. One, two, three. Jesus is the person we should consider. So Hebrews 12.2 says this, fixing our eyes. If you can go to Hebrews 12.2, please. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of the faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So who are we fixing our eyes on? Jesus. What, is it, what exactly does that mean? That means we focus on on jesus that means we are not distracted by other things that like that's like this imagine you got you got a you, dude like right here man there's a little trophy room and you got the newest jays what are the newest jays right now josh hit me up hit me up right now josh what are the newest shoes right now what's the rage you ain't with it who who all right, who's a sneakerhead? who's a sneakerhead in here raise your hand we got no sneakerheads. okay i'm just gonna drop it like this we got the we got a new we got the new call of duty right here we got black ops 2 right Right here, 4, 4, I'm stuck in 2013, my bad. So, Black Ops 4, okay, but then on the right, you know what you got? You got, uh, you got Marvel suit, Super- you got Marvel Legos right here. And then you got, you got right here, you got Spider-Man PS4, that's pretty tempting right there. But, you want Call of Duty Black Ops 4, all you do is gotta focus on it for about 20 minutes. And that game is yours. What you're going to do is you're going you're to make sure. You're like, dude, I don't care. I don't care if they come here with arroz con this. I am not looking at it. I don't care, dude, if it's bacon and eggs. I don't care if it's bacon and pancakes. I don't care if it's chicken and waffles. I don't care what it is. I am looking at the Call of Duty video game. My eyes are fixated on that. You are set on that. Your eyes are on the prize. Good stuff. So, right, here's the thing. What the author of Hebrews is saying, that we must fix our eyes on Jesus. Forget the distractions. Forget the temptation. Forget the danger. Forget everything. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And this, right, becomes hard with fear. We learned that we could fear man, but we learned we shouldn't. So we learned that we could fear, right, uh, failure, but now we learn that we shouldn't. So there's all these distractions coming at us but we learned that we have to fear God, nothing else, and trust in the Lord. If we can go to Colossians 3, uh, 1 through 4, we have to ignore all those things, push them aside, and fix our eyes on Jesus. And it says right here in in Colossians uh, 3, since then you have been raised with Christ Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Sounds similar to the verse we read. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, when Christ, who is your life, if you can go to the next verse, my good friend. When Christ, your, when Christ who is your life, appears, I'll go to the verse right here appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So if we see that verse and we understand what it really means, it's saying since you have been raised with Christ, since you have been saved, everybody knows you were at once dead in your sins. You at once knew nothing about God. You knew nothing about God. You were far away from him. But since you've been raised from your sins to live with Christ, it's talking about basic positions now. You are dead in your sins, but you've been raised with Jesus. You are now at another level. You've been elevated, right? Woo. Set your hearts on things above. That means your emotions, your feelings, everything that you hold dear in your hearts, your thoughts. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, where he's at, where he's at right now, interceding for us. Set your minds on things above. That means your your plans, your intentions, your thoughts, everything you set above, not on earthly things, not what's happening here. Because when Christ appears, who is your life, then you will appear with him in glory. That means you will be physically with him. So what Colossians is encouraging us to do it's the same thing that Hebrews is encouraging us to do, and that is to look to Jesus. But here's the thing. Jesus set the example for that. So we don't have to go off like all willy-nilly like, man, I really don't know how to really look towards Jesus. Well, look, look, let's look at Jesus' example, right? So if we can go to uh, uh, Hebrews 12, 2 again, please. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So a lot of us don't have a good idea of who Jesus is. We kind of think he's some religious guy. You know, probably he he either looked like a Brad Pitt or he looked like the dude from Thor. Or maybe he looked like, you know, the, you know, maybe like the neighbor that lives in Skokie or whatever. You know, that goes to the mosque or something. We may, look, we may think that. Like that's what we might think. Uh, but let's pay attention to his character, who he was. This is a good insight for who he was because it says, for the joy, everybody say joy, joy, set before him, he endured the cross. That's why we are to consider Jesus because as he was getting crucified, right, as he was going to the cross, what was his state of emotion? What was his emotion? What was, he, was he scared? Was he fearful? He had joy. Now you may be thinking, okay, I found something about Jesus. He's kind of crazy. He was getting dragged off to get crucified, and he had joy. He had every every reason to be afraid. There was danger all around him. If you've ever seen the Passion of Christ, you see they're spitting on him. They're whipping him, right? The cross could just fall on him and crush his head, but he had joy. He had joy. That was his state of emotion. He was not afraid of the danger around him, but he thought right? He thought about the pleasure that it would bring, the joy, right? The the happiness that it would bring. See, Jesus was not worried about the stuff around him, okay? Even on the cross, he prayed for the forgiveness of others. See, Jesus was not nearsighted. Jesus gives us an insight on how to look above, right? How to set your minds on things above, how to set your hearts on where Christ is, where God is, right? He set that example. Why do we need to pay attention to Jesus' example? It's, it's plain and simple. He is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He is who we trust. Not only did he create our trust, we learned what faith is, right? It is the trust. Not only did he create the way to trust, everybody here can trust someone, right? I, Encourage everyone here to trust God, but he created that. He created the ability to trust in God, but he's also the finisher. That means he established that you, right, Victor, you, Libney, you, Stephanie, all of us could trust him. He is the creator of faith, and he's the finisher of faith. That is what Hebrews is saying, and we are called to consider him, to consider. Think about considering something. When someone offers you pizza rolls or offers you Hot uh, Hot pockets. You consider it. You're like, man, which one tastes better? Which one is a better decision? You weigh out your options. You're like, man, should I choose pizza rolls? That's pretty dope. I like that. Or should I pick hot pockets? Some of y'all are quick with it. Some people, right, have to consider it. For me, it would be steak or chicken, but like really good chicken. Steak or chicken. That's what it would be. Maybe some days it'd be pizza or Chinese food. That would be kind of my consider, But you guys get what I'm saying, right? You have to consider the food. Here's the thing what the Bible's telling you is to consider Christ. Do not consider the opposition towards you. Do not consider the danger, but consider Christ. Think deeply. Think about it. it literally, the, transli- uh, the, the exact definition of considered is this. One second. I just want you guys to understand, because a lot of you guys think, man, dude, like, I try and I pray, but, you know, I just sinned. I just gave up. I had to. But you don't actively think. It it literally means to actively think without effort, with effort and precision. So that means when you fix your eyes on Jesus, you're considering him. You're not only looking at him, right? You're like, okay, this is Jesus on the cross. This is who Jesus is. Now I'm also thinking about him. Oh my gosh, this is the God who died on the cross for my sins, the one who resurrected. And then you begin to think what that does to you. Wow, that saves me from my sins. Now I'm raised with Christ. I'm no longer dead in my sins. I don't have to cheat on my test. I don't have to lie to my parents. I don't have to take from others. I don't have to be a bully. This is all th- these are things that are possible if you consider him who endured opposition. But here's the thing, right? We fix our eyes on him. We understand he's the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. We understand who he is. But now we have to question ourselves. In times of danger, have we yet to consider him? When we fear for our lives, when we feel like things are going to happen, when we have a family member in the hospital, right? Let's say right now you guys got a call from the doctor. You just had a checkup. You got cancer. There's kids that happen. What happens, right, when you feel like you're being persecuted for your faith? You feel like, if I preach here, these people might hurt me. That's possible. That can happen. What happens when you feel like you might get bullied for not doing sin, for not smoking, for not for not talking about females, for standing up for people, right? How many of you guys have decided, well, there's a fight. I'm going to break it up. Because you probably get in that fight. I remember seeing someone who literally jumped in a fight to break it up. Man, this dude was getting slammed. He was getting hit. He got smashed into a locker. He was trying to break up a fight. But that's danger. But you know, if you consider him, Jesus, who endured opposition from sinners, if you consider who he was, what he is, and what he can do for you, right, because you will be appear with him in glory, then you will not be afraid of danger. So everybody, consider who? Consider Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. Think about the joy that he had when he was on the cross. When you face danger, you now have been given the ability to have that same joy. You don't have to face a, You don't have to face danger with a, with a worrisome uh, attitude. You have to be like, man, I don't know what's going to happen. You don't have to be anxious. Remember, we we're talking about fears, overwhelming anxiety. You no longer have to have that with danger. Why? Because Christ had joy when he was taken on the cross. So this is exactly what I want to encourage you guys to do is consider Jesus in everything you do, not just danger, but let's say, right, you have a decision to make. Should I stop going to LFA for a month because Black Ops 4 came out, or should I consider Jesus? Consider what he did. Should I play Fortnite for all my days, or should I consider Jesus? Should I, should I bully people and make fun of them and roast them or whatever, or should I consider Jesus? See, this works for everything, Please. Don't just be some robotic Christian. You come to church, you go home, you come to church, you go home, you come to church, you go home, and it's just going with the motions. Actively think about Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. Let your days be full of thoughts about Jesus, because that's exactly where the joy is. So moving on to the next uh, verse, please. Actually, stay on that verse. What does it mean to endure opposition? Because... We understand we have to consider Jesus, but now we have to endure opposition. Opposition is basically anything that's opposing you, anything that's going against you. Jesus endured anyone that was going against him, defying him, going against anything he was saying. He endured that. So now it's calling you to withstand with courage, not not take it like you're scared. Everybody knows if you play football, right? If you try to tackle someone scared, you're getting decked. You're getting decked. You are falling fl- flat on your face, flat on your butt. You are breaking something. I remember that's how I fractured my nose one time because there was this dude. He was huge, six foot three, charging at me. He was heavy, and yo, dude, I was trying to tackle him the whole game. But the minute I was at the last, last like ten yards before the football, I was last line of defense before the touchdown. I went like this. I was ready. I was hyped. I was gonna go low, but as he got closer to me, I realized I'm in danger. I'm about to get trucked. So then I kind of closed my eyes, went like this, and he straight elbowed me in my nose. I flew, broke my nose. I was 14, so I was like 110 pounds. He was like 300. I don't even know. But this dude trucked me. I broke, I fractured my nose. So I was afraid, and I didn't withstand with courage what was going to happen. So right now, what the Bible is encouraging you to do is to endure danger, opposition with courage. So you're taking a stand with courage. And here's the thing. We now, again, fix our eyes on Jesus. A lot of you guys think you have examples everywhere in your life, but no example is as great as Jesus. So let's fix our eyes back on Jesus. If we can uh, go to John 11, 45, 53. You see, Jesus, when he was on this earth in the flesh, what he did was he preached the truth. And as you know, I told you guys many times, he was killed for preaching the truth. But before they killed them, they plotted to kill him. But Jesus also knew they were plotting to kill him. That's the crazy thing. So while he's preaching, he can hear them literally making decisions. And here's, here's one of the conversations they had. Uh, if you can go to John eleven forty five 45 to 53, please. If you can't go there, uh, if you can't go there it's, uh, just hurry up one second. If you guys got your Bibles, please turn there. John 11, 45 to 53. You got that, TJ? So John 11. If you're there, say, I, Captain. Amen, amen. So we're not, it's, we're not in SpongeBob, but it's okay. So John 11, 45 to 53. And if you have your Bibles, obviously, it's pretty obvious what they're going to talk about, the plot to kill Jesus. So it's right there. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, what had Jesus done? He had, he had uh, performed miracles. He had fed the 5,000. He had did so many things at this time. Uh, then, but some of them went to the Pharisees, so some of them were snitches, they were like, man, listen, this dude's claiming to be the Messiah, basically, and he's healing people, y'all need to deal with this, and he told them what Jesus had done, then the chief priest and the Pharisees, the guy in charge, the guys in charge, the Pharisees, called a meeting of the Sanhedrin, which were basically, like, a, like they were the, the guys, like, they were the group, they were the core group of that, that religious, uh, religious time, what are we accomplishing? What are we getting done? They asked. Here is this man performing, performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe him. Then the Romans will come and take away both our temples and our nation. Then one of them named uh, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it's better for you that one man die for the people that turn, uh, that turn against the whole nation, or the turn that the whole, uh, in turn that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as the high priest that year had prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, not only for the nation, but also for the scattered children of God, to bring them together, to make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. So they knew Jesus was a problem. They're like, That man a problem, he a bad man. You know, they knew that what he they had set up for years, right? This religious organization they had set up for years. It was about to go crumbling down because of one man. That's what they thought. They thought, listen, all the power that we have, all the authority that we have, all the good relationships we have with the government. I mean, all that was about to go to waste simply because of Jesus. So they plotted to take his life. Think about that right now. Let's say people are plotting to take your life. Simply because not not because you've done anything bad, right? Not because he'd done anything bad, but simply because of who you are. They hated Jesus for who he was and the good that he was doing. But Jesus still did not have fear. But then they also, listen, Jesus faced danger when healing people. The Bible says that he would touch lepers and heal them. Lepers were people at that time that had diseases that literally could not be cured. So Jesus was willing to face danger from a disease, but then once you touched them, their religion said you had to be made clean or you'd be stoned. So Jesus faced danger when performing miracles, but he did not have fear. Some of us, we don't even want to pray for people because we're afraid what they might think. We see someone with maybe a broken leg or something or maybe they have a cough and you feel like, man, I should at least pray for them. So they be healed, but you're afraid of the danger that may come. You're afraid they may laugh at you. Listen, Jesus could have lost his life for healing someone, but he still did it. So here's the thing, right? Jesus then faced danger from the law, the government. So, dude, Jesus was not only in trouble with religious people losing his life, the government itself wanted to take Jesus down. Some of y'all heard about Tupac. Tupac got nothing on Jesus they were ready to kill that man. They were plotting for day 1 to kill Jesus. Then here's the thing. Jesus then endured the cross, he endured death. So he withstood all these things with courage. People plotting to kill his life from his own religion. People trying to kill him for healing people. Right? Then he faced danger from the governments. He faced all these things, then death, and he did it with joy. And the Bible says that he actually opposed that means he basically brought danger to the shame of the cross. So as Jesus was being opposed, he was stood with courage and he opposed not the person or the, the things that were opposing him, but the heart behind it. He opposed the shame. He opposed the sin. If we can actually go to that verse, Hebrews uh, 12, t- verse 2, you guys got to get this. So Jesus was opposed by sinners, yes, he was brought danger by sinners, but he still with joy endured the cross. He endured all those things with joy, scorning the shame, uh, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He, is, he scorned its shame. That means he basically went against the, 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 the stigma they were putting on him, the stigma of the cross, because the cross was meant to kill criminals. It was meant to kill criminals. This was going to be the last way they destroyed Jesus. They were like, if we kill Jesus like a criminal, no one will continue to follow him. But as Jesus does so wonderfully, he destroys that whole stigma. He destroys that whole thought by resurrecting, basically. So he, as being opposed, opposed their shame. Now, here's the thing, right? I'm I'm talking about Jesus, and I'm I'm bringing you guys examples, but a lot of you really don't care because you think Jesus is just some guy in a book. You think Jesus is some guy that existed 2,000 years ago. He has no impact on me today. But the thing is, right, you would be in disagreement with pretty much almost every Christian that existed before you. You see, people are being uh, persecuted now today in Canada, just the, other day, just the other day, they went to a gay parade and they handed out Jesus pamphlets. They told people about Jesus. They were arrested. It was two people just for telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ. Then you have in China where 223,000 people are being persecuted in 2018 or 2017 and it's increasing they just they're starting to make christianity illegal they're closing down churches i think 227 churches are being shut down simply because the government doesn't want the gospel being preached so christians are feeling the danger they're being targeted targeted and then here's the thing right this has continued to happen since the resurrection if i can read to you guys A script. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Jesus Freaks. I know we got a couple people. If you've heard of Jesus Freaks, raise your hand. And then wave them in the air. Shake them around. Like you just don't care. Say, hey. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to go there. (laughs) So, right, here's the thing. This is what happens. This is a true account of actual persecution. Of danger. It says right here, there's a man named John John right, from China during, during the Soviet Union, the Cold War and all that, while John, uh, John could feel the mighty power of God within him, strengthening him to endure, right, everybody say endure, the unbearable, they had his hands tied behind his back and then emptied a bucket of human waste on his head. Everybody know what human waste is, right? No, poop. Poop. They had left him there for days, never giving him a chance to clean himself. He was given food, but with his hands tied behind his back, he had to lie on the floor and lick it up like an animal. The food had to be passed, had to pass through soil lips. He still did not deny his faith and refused to admit to crimes he had not committed. Then his torturers filled a cell with human waste and put him in it. With a multitude of common criminals, now they all waited, wadded, wadded, and suffocated in it with him. The common criminals were told they would all be kept like this indefinitely until they forced him to comply with the demands with the interrogators to survive. These criminals now competed in torturing him day and night. When he came to this point in the story, John stopped, his face started to glow, and he began to sing with a beautiful voice. And here are, the song, here's the wor- here are the words of his song, for our light affliction, which is but a moment, is working for us more, far more exceeding and has eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things that have not seen been seen are eternal and eventually the authorities gave him up because he would not uh deny his faith see that's happening that's an actual account a lot of you guys you get afraid with just getting bullied let's imagine if someone put a gun to your head let's imagine if someone tied your hands behind your back and forced you to drink food eat food off the floor well how quick would you deny christ how quick would you say no i don't follow jesus some of us are so quick, to, so quick to deny Christ at the moment of danger, at the moment of getting bullied, at the moment of someone saying something bad about us. But here's the thing. People across the seas are, are losing businesses. You got to be easy here in America. No one's, really, no one's really doing that thing. No one's really arresting people. No one's really telling you you're wrong. But let's see what happens, right, when you're in class and someone, your teacher starts saying, hey, man, you know, Jesus never existed. Jesus was never real. He was a figment of someone's imagination. What are you going to say? You're going to be afraid of getting a bad grade in that class? Or are you going to stand up? Are you going to take courage and be like, no, my Jesus existed. Because this man was in prison being fed poop, being uh, put in criminals, being tortured, and he didn't deny Christ. Some of you guys are such hypocrites that you act like a sinner. Based on Snapchat, the minute you're away from the church, you're like, I don't follow Jesus. Y'all here posting this kind of stuff? What do you think this guy did? Well, how would a conversation go if you were put in a, in a room with this guy? Man, you know, I was basically put hand, oh, my hands behind my back, and I was put poop on me, but I still didn't deny Christ. Then they put me in a jail cell with criminals that tortured me, and I still didn't deny Christ. All glory to God. That's what he would say. What about you? Man, you know, I posted a verse on Snapchat. Everybody called me whack. Everybody called me lame. Everybody called me name, so I gave up. Oh, man, my teacher threatened me. I was, I was in danger of getting a bad grade, so I kind of stopped wanting to start a Christian club. Oh, the minute I'm around my friends, I feel kind of like afraid of them, so I just act like them. Here's the thing I want to give you guys, if that's you. Jesus, who did he face opposition from? I want you to go to that, that verse. Uh, Hebrews 12 two. Who did he face opposition from? It wasn't just the government. It they didn't name government. It didn't name the things I named. But it was very specific. He endured opposition from sinners. Go to Hebrews 12 three. I want us all to understand this. Consider him who endured such opposition from who? Sinners. Sinners. You see, if you are in a room here right now, your sin is what opposed Jesus. Plain and simple. You, right, were the opposition of Jesus that he endured. You were the cause of it. You were the cause of it. When you act like a hypocrite, that's the cause of it. When you act like a coward and you're afraid and you deny Christ, you're the cause of it. You are opposing when you deny Christ Jesus. You are causing, you are trying to cause the gospel danger. You are trying to, 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 trying to silence it. But guess what Jesus did on the cross? He put that away. He scorned it. So that's what I'm trying to help you understand is that if you're not like this man, right? If you're not like this man, John, who was willing to endure, right? Endure things that we would think unbearable. We wouldn't be able to have poop dumped on us. I'm not going to front and be like, man, dude, I would do that in a second, but by God's grace, I would. But here's the thing. We're not willing to endure the simplest amounts of danger we're not willing to endure maybe our mom yelling at us for believing in jesus differently than she does we're not we're not willing to endure persecution from our classmates we have to be able to endure these things withstand it because if not right the bible says that we will grow weary and lose heart so if we can go to hebrews 12 uh three through four if you just put actually verse four it's 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 plain and simple will you endure opposition when people aren't willing to hear you when people are going against you when you feel like man dude jesus isn't enough i've been enduring for so long the sin is getting easy i mean i i feel like i feel like maybe i can just give up for a little bit i'll be back the question is will you endure it because that's a long process. Jesus was on the cross for 9 hours. At any point he could be like, I don't I can't do it anymore, God. Kill them all. <laughs> Start over. He could have been like that. But he endured the cross. He endured the plots to kill him. He endured uh, the threats to stone him when he touched the leopard, when he forgave the prostitute. He endured the government when they told him that he could basically go away if they just like, succumbed to him, to gave up to him. I mean, at one point, he endured a crowd telling him to, to uh, t- saying crucify him instead of a criminal who, who was a thief and a sinner. They said, Jesus, let's kill him instead of this person. He endured all those things. But are you willing to adore what opposes you? Are you willing to endure the danger in your life? Let's say someone did decide to bully you, right? Let's say someone did decide to put you in jail. Let's say someone did decide to shut you down at school. Like, listen, Sean, if you keep talking about Jesus at school, you're going to have to go to the principal's office. Are you willing to endure that danger? That's, that's, That's really up to you guys. But I'm telling you, if you're not willing to endure it, this is what's going to happen. If you can go to uh twelve three, actually, sorry, this is what's going to happen right here in Hebrews twelve three. It says, "Consider him who endures such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart." Then verse four. Some of you guys thinking, "I I've endured too long." It says, in your struggle against sin, have you not resisted to the point of shedding your blood? Right here, the Hebrew Hebrews author is talking about two things you must endure. It's talking about the danger, right, of persecution, but it's also talking about sin. But here's the thing. Once you are facing persecution, once you're getting bullied and losing friends and people are threatening you, it becomes easy to give up. It becomes easy now. It becomes tempting. You start to consider now. Instead of considering Jesus, you start to consider giving up. So are you going to give up? The Bible says to not grow weary or lose heart. If, we, if you can go to Isaiah 40, 30, 32. Sorry, I, I didn't tell you this, but Isaiah 40, 30, 32, please. Isaiah 40, 30, 32. I had to get this verse. because I want you guys to be encouraged with this. Some of you may feel like I'm already losing heart. I'm already growing weary, but Isaiah 40, 30 to 32 says this. It says, even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength They will soar on the wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. So here's the thing, right? We can actually be renewed. The Bible says that we can be given strength. That, yes, we may grow weary. We may grow tired of following Jesus. We may say, man, I'm tired of saying no I'm tired of the danger. I'm tired of the bullying, the things that happen because I'm following Jesus. I just want to give up. I don't see the problem in it. But this is the promise to you guys, to the youth that grow tired and weary, that stumble and fall. If you hope in the Lord, your strength will be renewed. You will soar on the wings like eagle. You will run and not grow weary. You will be able to do what Jesus did. You will be able to continue to endure it with joy. So even though sin may seem more appealing, right, because of the things, the danger that's around us, we understand that we don't have to grow weary and lose heart. We understand, as Galatians 2.20 says, that you can go there, it's, not, it's no longer us that's providing the strength. It's no longer us that's giving us the ability to endure. But the Bible says, I have been crucified. Remember earlier it said, I have been raised. So I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The, not, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So here's the thing. The old Jew, right? That, that opposed Jesus. That person's been crucified. So now it's no longer you living through this danger. It's Christ living through you. So the life you now live, the life you now live in this body right now, you, your arm and everything, you live by faith in the Son of God. And that is how you endure opposition. That is how you continue to not only say no to sin, but even when danger comes, even with persecution comes, you say no to that. You say, I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. So, remember that. It is no longer you who's living, but it's Christ living through you. And and, and to my final question, if I can have Stephanie uh, to the mic is have you been feeling weary have you been losing heart do you honestly do you guys come to elevate on friday wanting to give up do you go to school you go to school you're like man i got to do the same thing again i got people trying to sell me drugs i got I got i got people that are trying to get me to do all these type of things that i don't want to do anymore you know they're trying to get me to cuss they want me to curse they want me to take things that i don't want to take steal And you're saying, I don't want to do that anymore, but it's really getting hard. I'm really about to give up. This is the encouragement to you. It is no longer you living if you are a Christian, but it is Christ living in you. You no longer have to muster up some strength, muster up some courage, right, to face danger, right? What do you think? This man did not boast in himself. John he didn't boast in himself about being put behind hands behind his back and be like, I was strong, I was mighty, I was powerful. But he said, I felt the mighty power of God. It all came back to God, God living in him. That is how, right, in the face of danger, we are able to endure. We consider Jesus, right? We consider Jesus who endures this opposition. So that way we can endure opposition and we do not grow weary or lose heart. Jesus, in the book of John, you don't have to turn there. He actually says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. The disciples were worrying. They were afraid of danger. They are afraid of losing out on things. And Jesus said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. So are you growing weary? Have you yet considered Jesus in the face of danger? These are questions you need to ask yourself. Because when danger comes, right when, when opposition comes, will you endure it? If I can have everybody stand up, when I I, I want to read you guys. This is this is the first martyr. The per, a martyr is as so, a witness, someone who is willing to die for their faith and died for the faith. If we can go to Acts seven fifty four through fifty nine, please. Acts says it like this: Stephen was a man preaching. He was full of the Spirit, full of wisdom. He loved the Lord. But Stephen was preaching to Jewish people, right? Maybe some of the people that Hebrews is written to, and he says this when the uh, and this is how it goes. He's preaching after he finishes preaches after he finishes preaching. The members of the Sanhedrin, the people that plotted to kill Jesus, right? They heard this, so Stephen's fully aware the danger while he's preaching. He's fully aware what's going to happen. He might be killed for his faith. He might be. Treated like Christ was treated by the same people that plotted to kill him. They were furious and gnashed their teeth. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, so meanwhile, Paul, who was there, wrote some of the Bible. He began to approve of this. So this is the whole story that's going on, is that Jesus, right, encourages me. He, he was considering him. He didn't just all of a sudden see his abuela in heaven. He didn't see his abuela in heaven. He literally saw Jesus, When he was facing death, he saw Jesus. Exactly what that verse was saying. He saw it. He fixed his eyes on Jesus. He considered him who endured such opposition. And he saw him standing at the right hand of God on the throne. He did not grow weary and lose heart. He didn't run away. They dragged him. They stoned him. They killed him. The same people that plotted to kill Jesus killed this man. And he was the first one of hundreds of thousands of millions to lose their life for the gospel and what did he see if I can have my two altar workers coming when at, at, at the face of death a lot of you guys you're fixate you're fixated on things that don't matter you're fixated on things that don't matter you're fixated and I don't mean this in any disrespect but when you fixate on Jesus your grace will be good trust me but you're fixated on your school, you're fixated on your football team, who doesn't even matter, you're in grammar school, that stuff literally does not matter. You're fixated on sin, you're fixated on your girlfriend sitting next to you, you're fixated on who you are, but that stuff does not matter. You fix your eyes on Jesus. On Jesus, the one who endures such opposition. When you feel the urge to preach the gospel, when you know you should tell someone all about Jesus, you don't fix your eyes on the fear that's going to happen or the things that are going to happen. No, you fix your mind on above where Christ is seated. You fix your heart on things not seen, but on things unseen, on Jesus. This is what you do. You do what Stephen did. And this is for you guys who, who you want to be bold like Stephen. Because I know there's some radicals in here. Where you're hearing that, you're hearing that testimony of John who, who literally was tortured for Christ. And you're saying, that's who I want to be. Not saying that you want to be tortured and everything like some sicko. But you want to be able to have the boldness to say, listen, it doesn't matter what you do to me. It doesn't matter what you do to this body. It doesn't matter what you say about me. I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. I'm considering Him. I'm not considering what you're going to do to me. I'm not going to grow weary and lose heart. You see, because here's the thing just like John and just like the Jewish nation, just like the whole world, they persecuted the Christians, but the Christians did not grow weary or lose heart. The world did. And they began to give up to the gospel. So I'm telling you this right now, if you are willing to consider Jesus, if you are willing to fix your eyes on him, if you are willing to say right now, I'm not going to grow weary or lose heart, the world will give up and succumb to Jesus, give in to the gospel and be saved. As they mock you, as they, as they threaten you with danger, and you face them with joy, not, not, not retaliating, you face them with joy, you preach to them. They will give up and give their life to Jesus. That is the gospel right there. That is the power of the gospel that even those who oppose Jesus, not by force, not by might, but simply by love, they begin to turn to Jesus. So if you guys can bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to call two groups of people, those who want to be bold like Stephen. Bold like John, bold like those in China, bold like those in Canada. I want you to come up and receive prayer. Because listen, in your schools, you're going to be faced with lots of stuff, lots of drama. Your teachers are going to threaten your grades. Things are going to happen. Your parents might threaten you to to, to not go out anymore if you keep following Jesus. But are you going to be bold like Stephen? Stephen? The second group of people I want to call up are those who have given up. If you have given up your walk with Jesus, if you have said, no, that's it. I'm tired of following Jesus. I'm tired of what it brings me. I want you to come up. So with all eyes bowed and all, everyone, everyone considering Jesus, if you've never considered Jesus right now, I want you to do that and fix your eyes on him. Please have this moment with the Lord. God, I pray for those right now that have given up. God, I pray that they would not lose heart and they would instead, they would instead trust in you, Jesus. That they would stop fixing their eyes on the problems around them, on the danger around them, but they would fix their eyes on you, Lord. God, I pray that they would receive you, God. They would receive strength, not not mustering it up, not trying to fake it till they make it, but strength from you, God. I pray that they would come up and receive prayer and that you would answer their prayer, Lord. I pray, God, for those that want to be bold like Stephen. God, I pray right now, God, that they would, even in the face of persecution, even in the face of danger, that they would be like you, Jesus. They would be like you, Jesus, who did not walk away fearfully from the cross, but you faced death. You faced death with joy. I pray that they would come up and receive prayer. Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would start to convict those right now in their seats. I pray, God, that even though the the word, God, may have been difficult at times, Lord, God, that it would be uh, simple to understand, God, that you would give them understanding. Lord, I pray that their hearts would be softened, that, God, they would not turn a blind eye to the conviction that you're giving them, but instead, God, they would want the strength that the word is talking about, Lord. Hallelujah. So everyone, you can come up as, as, as Stephanie sings. Just come up, receive prayer, get along with God. If you are losing heart, if you are growing weary, please, this is a time for prayer. This is a time to receive strength.